welcome to Daft Souls episode number 36. Today I'm joined by Mr. John Blythe. Uh, hello. Okay, Log. And Stephen Hogarty. Hey, it's Steve. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I've not played any games uh, recently, so I've been trying to cram in a few games today. Oh. So I've played it. I've played a bunch of games for a very short amount of time. So I played um I played Hotline Miami 2 mm. for about half an hour. Didn't really like it very much. I've been reading a lot of things pe- of other people playing it. I haven't played it myself, but I've, yeah. I've managed to develop a few strong opinions on it based <laughs> on those things. I thought the same thing, and I was trying when I was playing it not to have those things in mind and just being like... It's impossible. The poison it's... of opinion. You can't, you can't quite do it. You might as well just have those opinions and not form your own. You have to pick a side straight away. <laughs> do you love it or do you hate it? Yeah. Well, what about you, Steve? Do you love it or hate it? Uh, I haven't played it, but yeah, I hate it. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. I, was I think say it's uh, yeah, it's. I, I side with um, whoever said they hated it most. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to love it, but I know like with the first game, I I'm just that that thing with like with Ollie Ollie where I can adequately do it, but I can never be in the leaderboards, and for that reason, fuck it. Mm. For that reason, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I, I, I really liked the first game. I wasn't like um, a superhero. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. playing it. And I, I did get to the stage where I felt really slick. Yeah. And I was still getting slow, really low ratings. Yeah, well, the problem I have with the new one is that it's it immediately feels really different because they've, A, they've kind of given the, the little men that you're fighting a bit of AI, which means that they kind of move around. They don't move around in just patterns anymore. They move around slightly more randomly. Hmm. And I don't like that. Hang on, is that actual AI that... Reacts based on you that you can predict, or no, is it randomized? It's basically slightly randomized. Ooh. I don't know how randomized, but it clearly is a bit randomized because it's not the, the typical thing of. Because here's what I liked about the original Hotline Miami I like the fact that basically each level felt like a bit of a puzzle. Yeah. And it was that you work out the timing of you you kick this door down, you throw this thing at this guy, and then you, and you would just restart until you just get through it in one slick movement. But what I like was... Is that to the point where you could tell a robot to press the buttons at exactly the right time and you would get the best result every time? Yeah, you probably could do that, I think. I mean, there was slight variation. Yeah, sometimes they heard you and sometimes they didn't. It was like you had to fluke it sometimes. Well, that's what I liked is it was like a bit memory, but then there were moments where your plan went wrong and you had these little moments where you just panic and you'd end up shooting two guys and throwing a gun and killing a third and, and then bashing his head in. And it felt like... I like the way it made, went from being like you have a plan that you do every time, but then the plan goes wrong and you have to adapt, and then that's when it became exciting. Yeah, yeah. With that feeling of going, oh my god, I'm alive. That was amazing. Whereas in the new one, it, it kind of feels like because sometimes at the start of the level, for example, the guy sometimes walks past the door within a second. Sometimes it takes three or four seconds. That sense of rhythm is kind of a bit gone, hmm. and also it feels like a lot of the level designs are a bit all over the place. And there's loads of like longer corridors, whereas in the last one, it felt like. In the original, it was lots of little small rooms connected, and often it would be a case of cut, like clearing a room at a time. Where in this one, I don't know, it just feels like a lot of the time the best thing to do is just stand around a corner making a bit of noise, and then just wait until people run around the corner and shooting them all. And it just doesn't feel very like... Surely you don't get many groovy points for that. You do, because <laughs> no, if really. they all run around the corner really quickly, you get really good combos. That's so it's groovy. Like, <laughs> groovy, 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 groovy. <laughs> As as the bullets just end, really enter the funk, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It just I, I found myself trying to play it like the first one and, and realizing actually it's better to play it like being really boring and hanging back. And also the story's really bad. I've only played it for like 
20 minutes. But Well, I've seen people on Twitter saying that the delivery and storyline are genius. Yeah. There's well, some really stupid people on Twitter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I, I loved in the first game the fact that you didn't know what was going on and the fact that it kind of came across as being like this incoherent gibberish in a way and you weren't sure if you were just like not getting it or if there was nothing to get and especially as the story I love that feeling where you, that you, there's nothing to get and you're just adrift on events I, yeah. I, I kind of like that feeling yeah. yeah absolutely especially with the music which fit that so well yeah it was this weird spacey thing of you don't know what's going on it doesn't really matter and you're maybe losing your mind and you're just this guy with a nice jacket who goes around murdering people it gave me this cool sense of identity that I really darkly embraced you felt like the guy from Drive. You felt like you were a nasty person doing this shit, mm. and you didn't really care why, in a weird way. Something I didn't like about Hotline Miami was that one of the masks was the dog mask, which meant that dogs would be friendly towards you, they wouldn't attack you. But in order to finish the level, you still had to kill the dogs, mm. which I thought was a bit incongruous. As you, a should of dogs. To, you should have been able to get a dog train following you and then drop them off at a pet centre. Yeah. yeah, a rehabilitation centre <laughs> yeah. for mean dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, they've got lots of little story bits now between missions where you just go and talk to a character and you often just get out of a car and then go into a location and talk to a couple of people and then go and get back into your car. And I can see what they're trying to do, just trying to get a bit more variation and stuff in terms of the, the pacing. But, I don't know, the writing just seems really bad and it keeps jumping between characters. And also having that thing of you getting a, more of a sense of who the protagonists are, which I weirdly don't like. I really liked in the first one the fact that you were just this guy and people made phone calls, and you went into a building and fucked people up and then left. It's like, mm. that was weirdly darker than mm. having this guy and being like, this guy's angry, and you're going to play him. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I've played it for a really short amount of time, but it just didn't grab me at all, which is weird, because I loved the original one. It was like it got underneath your skin somehow. It was like electric. But like Electricity does get underneath your skin. It can do. It goes through your central nervous system. Yep. So technically what I said was... Perfectly accurate. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Science check. <laughs> Have you played anything that's interested you lately, Locke? Oh, I've been playing... Oh, God. I've been finally got around to playing Shadows of Mordor, but that's kind of not... Everyone's said, the only opinions to have about that are the opinions that everyone says about it. The orcs remember you, and they <laughs> say something tailored to your previous in, in dealings with But them. it won an award last week, which means you can talk about it again. Oh, yeah. It's the rules of the system. Well, I don't know. I've just... It's essentially end of the night because I've been running the pub and like I've only got a few little hours that I can sort of tuck away and it's like I tend to play it at 12 o'clock, my brain, midnight, until my brain's run down at 2am. And I just find myself just only fighting in melee just because it's just a nice way to let your brain... I know how to do this. Yeah. I'm going to build up a very nice hit combo. I'm going to brand a few buggers... And then, yeah, it's, um, I don't think I'm getting as much as I should out of the game, but I am enjoying the process of playing it. I think that's fine. Because <laughs> I, 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 I really couldn't focus on the story enough to even get the branding. Like, because I just kept getting distracted. It's like it's a game that you have to do all this stuff it wants you to do before you can do all the fun stuff. But it's, I just play it the same way. I just wander off. I get, I get fucked off with one orc in particular. And I just spend hours trying to kill him. But I've heard people saying that the, the story is shit. The the, the script's bollocks, and the, I quite the, like the, the script. Ugly. I really do. It's it's well put together and convincing. I think it's more. And it's like, not quite as Tolkien-esque as it could be, which is good because Tolkien can ball off, <laughs> ball right <laughs> off, ball right off up an alleyway. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Hey, well, I don't think it was bad. I think it's just annoying that you've got to do it all. I think it's more that, like, I don't know, it just, it just felt like the, that traditional game thing of being like, well, you can't have all of the fun until you've done a certain percentage of the story missions. Which what? is You want all of the fun right away? Yes, I so do. So people are bored of this one. That makes no sense. Of course you should have an increasing skill set as you go yeah, along. Yeah, I know, but th- that, that's true, right? But I, I do felt like the the ability, the whole branding thing, and the ability to like, really mess around with the the ecosystem or whatever of the dudes fighting each other. Oh, yeah, it well, should have let you get that a bit earlier. I never mm. got bored up until that point, though. But It yeah. is a game that I've heard a lot of people say, you need to play it for 20 hours and then it gets really good. Yeah. Oh, no one, no one can ever say that and not have their face slapped. <laughs> That's the thing, I've played for about five hours and I feel like I need to play it for about six and a half and then I'll get all the really good bits. But I'm still fine with all the other stuff, like all the combat things getting better because I like the way that at the moment... Yeah, there's a steady unlock. It's not... You don't get time to get... Well, you're not, you're not doing the same thing over and over again for like hours and hours. I guess, no, it's what I'm saying is like... You just want to do the branding because it's a new thing that games haven't done so much. No, it's, it's more that... Um, it does that thing of like it's really fun just getting stuck in and just get, getting on with your own little objectives. But then when you actually have to do some of the story missions, they just feel really kind of like it, the scripting and stuff was quite good. I like I like the dialogue. And, but oh, then, well, I had my little bromance with the hunter, the dwarven hunter, with the hot hot chest. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, I've I've not I've had a lot of trouble working out whether I do fancy orcs or not, and I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have, you'd have to make them wear a gum shield, but oh, that's okay. They're orcs. They're Wait, not, do I fancy Skeletor um, as well? Are they are they Uruk High orcs? Yeah, they're orcs. Yeah. Oh, they're even nastier than orcs. Aren't but they? I've heard that doesn't make sense within the canon, doesn't it? <laughs> Apparently not. I remember reading that somewhere. It may may not may not be true. I can't mm. verify this information. Canon, I know, right? Who let the canon police into the fun factory? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? But hey. No, it seems really good. I do want to go back to it, but it is one of those games where, yeah, you're right, it's like everybody sort of had their fun with it. I'm excited to see what they do with the systems in every game coming out from now until They all have to have their own Nemesis systems now. They're go- we're going to be so bored of them in about... I think Far Cry will probably have one next. Yeah. Um, There's going to be like a rhino <laughs> that you really fuck up earlier on. <laughs> and it zooms in on its eyeballs and he frowns at you. <laughs> you unexpectedly get killed by a tortoise. <laughs> and then it's like, boom, boom, and suddenly the tortoise is really he's, quite he mean got, looking. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, he starts wearing fake eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe has a rocket launcher on his back that he can't operate because he's a tortoise. Mm. But it still might cause you some trouble. You know, it's a crazy open world game. Anything can happen. Mm. <laughs> Video games. I went back to Abe's Odyssey as well. To, cele- to celebrate new and tasty, I ignored the new game and went back and just played the game that I remember from God knows how long ago. Why? Why? <laughs> why didn't you play the remastered one? The- you need some new experiences when you've got a past you can wallow in. But isn't it... Um- Pretty much a, a remake, a faithful I did, remake I, of it. I did play the first sort of like 10, 15 minutes of the new one, and it is kind of, but I liked the the, the fact that it went from screen to screen, the way that it was, the game was built around that. Yeah. The fact that it sort of things would, be, things would be revealed and a monster that was in the previous screen wouldn't be able to see you in the new screen. So they had to, it just, yeah. It, it, oh, I didn't realise they'd change it that much. Well, the, yeah, it scrolls along now. Right. And um, yeah, I don't think it 
it looks a lot better, but my God, it's a lot more memory on your hard drive. <laughs> I mean, one of the great things about uh, Abe's Odyssey was, um, yeah, you get stuck on a screen for so long with like a really difficult puzzle or a difficult action sequence, or you had to do things perfectly. Yes. And then when you got onto the next screen, it was a reward to see the new backdrop or see the new piece of painted art that's in the background. And that's something yes. you wouldn't get if, if it's scrolling. You could just edge towards the screen and go, oh, I can see it's another bit of factory over there. That looks nice. God, that's true, isn't it? I've forgotten that the, the lowest expectation was where even just a new background or sort of the fact that on Manic Minor, you just wanted to see what the enemies were on the next level. Yeah. It does seem weird, Abe's Odyssey, as somebody who's never played them. I have a lot of people saying, oh, have you checked out the new one? It's like, I kind of get the impression from talking to people who've tried to get into them as newcomers that it's just really not fun unless you loved it originally just mm. because it seems so much based on just being that old school video game thing of going well you've got a lot of time in your hands so you can just do all this trial and error can't you like i mean yeah I, I'm, I'm probably talking quite out of ignorance here, but i know that they must be substantially different because there are three times as many modukons to save Mokudons, Modukons. Mokudons. Mods and Cons. I think it's pronounced Mods and Cons. Damn it, I always get that wrong. I have to spell check that every time. And Those are Abe's enslaved buddies. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, so with their mouths stitched shut and they... <laughs> it was one of the first games where you could fart on command and that was great too. That's what I remember people talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was really cool. good fun. And you could um, possess and enemies as well. That was a great little powers, mechanic. Yeah. It, was, it was really sort of powerful, but it was... There were so many things that restricted it, like it took you about five seconds to actually do it, and they'd kill you if you were, and if they were, yeah. if you were accessible. It was to so tense that, like, we are possessing, <laughs> you're about to possess someone, and are about to turn around. <laughs> yes. and it was, yeah, it was so, so many great moments that that gave to the player. <laughs> I, I think it's only fitting that we should take a few seconds of silence to remember them now. Yes. <laughs> well, I think of how sentences work. <laughs> Oh, well, it's unfortunate that we're not able to tell anyone whether or not the new one's good, but the old one, apparently, uh, is good in our memories. I think people should be coming to us looking for information on new video games, Matt, because uh, <laughs> evidently we're not playing them. <laughs> I've been playing some of them for a very short amount of time. I'd say something I did play early, actually, and Log watched me, so which is almost oh. like playing it, mm -hmm. and that's Ori and the Blind Forest. Mm. I would happily watch you play that for hours. We had a, we had a, a laugh, didn't we? We had a ball. Well, yes. do, you remember, do you remember that time that we, we jumped down a really long bit that was going downwards? And we, and both... we noticed that the walls, we thought, oh, we think, oh, we can't go down there. We won't be able to get out without a wall jump. Yeah, and then we got down <laughs> to the bottom. And guess, guess what, what we got? It? Wall jumping We shoes. got a wall jump. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we felt very clever. That's good. Um, nice. But yeah, it's really nice to play something that was just immediately, uh, I knew what to do and what it was. It had a really touching, probably a bit overly long intro where... Everything was sad, but it was animated really, really nicely. I mean, I know people say a lot, like, oh, the skin's got lovely graphics and animations, but it was, you know, it's like watching an animation. It's very pretty. Mm. I gasped. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And like, when we, after, even after when you got the wall jump, like, we went, oh, we've got the wall jump now. And I'm like, oh, no, it's a really nice it's wall jump. It's a lovely wall jump. jump yeah. um, and it's a bit Metroidvania-y. Um, and I've heard that some people are get annoyed at this, but it, basically what it does is you, you go through an area and you explore and stuff, and there are clear bits where you think you can't do that yet because you haven't got the right thing. Mm. But then when you clear an area, I think apparently you then have to go back through a lot of the area doing a kind of almost like 
Super Meat Boy-esque, pixel-perfect platforming section, which I think kind of rubs some people up the wrong way. That's the impression I get from looking around on the internet. Some people are like, I don't like it, because the rest of it, it's very much like this beautiful, airy-fairy, chill-out, jump-around platformer thing. Yeah. So apparently it does also have bits which are difficult, which is either good or bad. People also react quite badly just to the general idea of going like backtracking through levels of places that you've already been in a game. Yeah. And there are very few games that can really make it feel valuable. Well, I don't exactly know how much you backtrack or, or what it is because I haven't seen it yet, but that's just worth knowing. But it's really I think the last game I did nice. that to properly attempt to 100% it was probably Shadow Complex. Oh, yes. I tried to rinse that, but there's that stupid fucking events that if you don't do right in the middle you can never 100% it oh yeah because you had to like there was just up a wall or something just yeah just one thing you could easily miss but once you trigger a little cutscene there that room is no longer accessible Ugh. fuck you chair chair you pricks with your new microtransactions and infinity blade yeah, bullshit luckily, luckily, fuck they, you chair <laughs> luckily they never went back infinity blade I talked about this on a previous episode of Dark Souls I can't remember the number but Jesus infinity blade it's become quite the thing. I, I jumped into Infinity Blade 3 because I sort of thought... They've made three of them now. I know, right? Yeah. I, I downloaded two, played it. I'm not, I, the first one I played a lot. I went through a lot of cycles, defeated that guy quite a lot of times, forgot why I was playing but still did. Infinity 2, I, what was this? I jumped into 3 and there's tons of stuff to do. And I did have quite a bit of fun with it but it did also ensnare me into the whole like, give us a bit of money. Yeah. And I probably ended up giving them about 8 quid. But I played, I played it for a lot. You I know. played Infinity Blade 1 probably for about 6 hours and then said, anyone who enjoys this is a fucking idiot. <laughs> and uninstalled it. I think it was the XP <laughs> system really annoyed the shit out of me because I realized because it's not you don't exp- gain XP yourself do you it's all in your items so there's yeah. necessarily a finite amount of XP to be earned you've got a really experienced sword <laughs> that, that suddenly becomes no use to you because it's fully experienced so you've got to do something else yeah. <laughs> well in this you upgrade you in the third one you can upgrade them again so you can basically refill wow empty the XP potentially thing. infinite upgrades I, I don't know potentially infinite expense you say <laughs> yeah well that's the thing is it got get very like that but it was fun but it's more the fact that it's got so much fucking story it's like clearly there's been I think there's been two Infinity Blade novels as well so it's like guys like but there must be people out there who give a fuck about the Infinity Blade canon wow there I go with the canon canon comes back canon comes back in town spoiling everyone's fun but that just surprised me because it, it I was like my god there's this whole world of people and I don't really know who the fuck they are um, do they openly care? I suppose I haven't played the ones with that much story, and so maybe I, maybe there's more. Well, I there should were mul- know. there were more. Maybe I'd care too. I don't know. There were there were all sorts of infinity people and invincibles and aliens or something. And I think that you end up playing the, in the third game. You play the bad guy from the second game, or something, or the first game. Maybe I don't have a fucking. Is it a prequel before he was evil, or are you? No, it's all it? afterwards. I, no. I, to be honest, I didn't really care. I just. Fought lots of things and it was oh, quite fun. I'll download and play it. Don't, don't. I want an opinion on this important matter. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Lord, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's your own fault though. You kept saying the word chair. Fuck you, chair. <laughs> um, or like stool. Bumming epic like that. Poo. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good chair joke, yeah. Steve. It's not really, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> I regret he saying it now. He giveth away. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ori looks quite good. I don't know if Ori in the Blind Forest is actually dead good or not. It's on the Xbox, I think, because it's one of those PC games that very much is just kind of like 
you know, this is a game, it's done, you can't tweak the options, just play it and shut up. And I've got no problem with that, because it's bloody nice. Um, but it does remind me of, like, oh, it reminds me a bit of, like, that PS2 era of, like, just quite nice platformers, like Jack and Daxter and stuff, before they mm. went all dark, you know? Mm. When it was just, like, here's some nice colours and some animations and some jumping. And yeah. a very comforting sequence of upgrades and unlocks. I also 100%ed the first Spire of the Dragon, which is one of those oh. games as well. Yeah. It's funny, I had the same compulsion to, for those same two games, Shadow Complex and Spyro, to 100% them. Even with Shadow Complex, uh, I looked up a walkthrough for the for a speed run, how to oh, finish wow. it on, in, if you think if you finish it in under 45 minutes, so it was like an achievement or something. And you have to use, again, like Metroid-style glitches to, uh, to glitch through walls at certain points in the game and stuff. Oh, that's another game with a go-left-at-the-beginning secret, isn't it? Yeah, of course oh, yeah. it is. Yeah. I like you can just run away and just abandon your girlfriend and go, forget Any more fish in the sea. That <laughs> yeah. was the name of the achievement, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <It's> brutal. <laughs> I may have just abandoned my girlfriend. On the other hand, I got a slight health increase, <laughs> which may be useful. Um... On the opposite end of the spectrum, though, of what I played this week, I played a little bit of uh, Frozen Cortex. Mm. about that? Yeah. It's basically like Frozen Synapse. Oh, right. I was going to say, is it like that? (laughs) It is, but it's like American football, like speedball, instead of people shooting each other, I think. Is this going... Was it originally called Frozen End Zone? It was. But they didn't want it to be shortened to Friend Zone. Yeah, that, and it sounds like a cold bum. (laughs) (laughs) It does. I thought you meant the action there rather than the object. <laughs> um, it's really confusing. I really want to like it, but I can't do it. It's so hard. Like you cannot win games of it online. No, well, that's the thing. That's the problem. Is I tried to play it. I did the tutorial. I thought, okay, I kind of got the idea of this. It's all like asynchronous. Um, uh, so it's like you you tell all your men where to go. And then the other team tell all their men where to go and what to do, and then it will happen at the same, same time. time. Yeah. Um, I think Log, when you reviewed Frozen Synapse, um, as a different game with the same mechanic, you coined the phrase, I believe, simultaneous. <laughs> yes, which to this day sticks in my brain as the perfect description of that of how that works. Feel free to use it, but everyone must know that it's my word. <laughs> simultaneous copyright Log. Now, that is really good. It's a simultaneous game. Copyright Log. Um, <laughs> Is it a trademark, actually? It's probably a trademark, isn't it? A trademark. Trademark log. Uh, and it's really, really fucking hard. And it's almost depressingly hard because I know that... I finished the tutorial, which is quite short, and I go, I think I understand the basics of this. So then I jump straight into the single-player campaign. Like, not really campaign, but it's like kind of like playing matches against AI and just get my ass handed to me, like... Over and over and over again. And it's like, what do I do? My only other option is to play it online against people who have all been playing it. Like the only people who are going to be playing that now are going to be people who've been playing it for a little while now, and they're going to be good. And so I feel like it's just this... Can you play two people in the same room on it? Um, well, that wouldn't work. You'd have to, like, look away. Oh, that's what you need polarised goggles for. <laughs> that's the, that is the one situation in which polarised goggles make sense. Uh, yeah. Or smart glass. It's just... it's Yeah, I keep thinking I'm being clever, and then the computer just absolutely ruins me. Um, because it does this thing of like, you know, you can block players by being in the right place or you can throw the ball. And it's like this thing whenever you get the ball, you're like, oh, you can either choose to like run across the map and try and get it into the scoring zone. Every time you do that, it doesn't matter what path you choose, the computer will know where you're going and will block you. Yeah, you can't. 
Or how, like, how do you know the computers making decisions without knowing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, just think about this in like chess. Yeah. No, hang on, that doesn't quite work. Chess isn't simultaneous, Steve. <laughs> Have you not played simultaneous chess? Oh, wow, I, I would give that a. Now Someone in 3D. should try and make that. It's a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> how would that even work? You'd be like, if you both made the same move with the pawns at the same time, which pawn would win? The white one. <laughs> That's, that's, you're somebody who always wants to play at the whites in chess, aren't you, Steve? <laughs> well, they get to go first. So statistically, they win more games. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just it's fucking impossible. <laughs> it's a frozen, uh, frozen, I want to call it frozen Enzo now. Frozen whatever it's Cortex. called. Cortex. is the sort of game that I'd love to heartily recommend, but uh, I can't bloody play it to save my life. Well, the more people you recommend it to, the more rookie players there are to play against. So. That's true, that's true. But I can't. I kind of feel like until I've been able to win at least one point, until I've been able to get the, the ball from my end of the thing to their end of the thing once, I don't feel like I can really have any appreciation of it whatsoever. Hmm. Do you want to play, Steve? <laughs> we should play it together, yeah. That'd be good, because then maybe at least one of us will win. Yeah. That's, a, that's great. That's like a 100% success rate split across two people. <laughs> I've been playing a game called LA Cops. Yeah, uh, I saw. You reviewed it. I yeah, hadn't read the review. It's really bad. But we're talking about Hotline Miami, and it's essentially a Hotline Miami... Thing. Uh, yeah, styled kind of game. You think it being called LA Cops, like, oh, they've be... gone for a deliberately sort of plain title because it's going to be quite clever, but it's it's not. It is just oh, about I, I LA Cops. It, I assume it was going to be how, how police... Brutality is running amok these days. No, no sort of commentary like that. It's oh. just that it's just a game that lacks any sort of personality or cleverness. It's like I was surprised it was out so soon because I remember seeing it at like expos and stuff being demoed mm. and looking at it, going, "That looks really cool," but also thinking that looks really early. Yeah, and the fact that it's out so soon and it still feels really unfinished. Yeah, it's, it's like Hotline Miami in that it's an isometric um, uh, game in which you control your cop with the left trigger and you can aim with the right trigger and you move through rooms in which criminals are marauding around doing criminal things. But the twist is you have a second cop that you can switch between or tell to go places. Um, But the AI is like so crap that it's just not enjoyable. You try to set up situations where you get your, your, your other cop to burst in a door at the same time as you, but... Whether or not they manage to shoot anyone is like an absolute dice roll. Oh, so when you're not controlling the other cop, AI takes over? No, they just sit where they are. Um, firing, if need be? Uh, if someone comes in with, within their firing range, right. they will fire at right, them. Okay. But it's like, again, it's like you can't tell what's going to happen. Like they can, they can miss at point blank range, or uh, they can take out three guys in, in half a second. Um, it's like, it started like a 60s sort of. Uh, a 60s detective kind of cop drama film thing, but there's no comedy to it whatsoever. There's no, they have these weird cutscenes where they sort of, it's like a, it's like a, like a satire of like a, of a, of a, of a cop film. You're waiting for the jokes to come, but they're just not there. It's like, there, right. there's it looks a, like we tidied up that crime. Shall we go back to the office? It's, it's yes. exactly like that. There's a lot of paperwork. There's like a woman <laughs> cop and there's like, they're trying to, like they're, they're talking about, they have all these scenes where it's like, oh, um, you, no one trusts you because you're a woman. And it's like, are you, what are you, what are you trying to say? What's the, 
what's the joke here? And then it just doesn't and, come. And rightly so, she replies, I'm a mendacious bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, we live in a world yeah. that is post-life on Mars. Ugh. So at least have the decency to have a man from the future. Yes, it should be a man from the future to try and sort out equality <laughs> and uh, other things. But I thought I should mention the is that, one game. Is it what it is? It's meant. To, oh, sorry. Is it meant to be a kind of seventies thing then? Yeah, so, but it's, it's so not what? like a. It's not a play on it. It's just it. Just just reciting it. Yeah. Ugh. So that was a bad game. That's like Hotline Miami that I played. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like I should clarify two things. My fuck chairs are about the inaccessibility of that room in Shadow Complex. I don't hate Infinity Chair that much. And two, when I said mendacious bitch just then, I don't I actually mean it. I'm not a misogynist. <laughs> can I, um... <laughs> now can we move on, please? <laughs> can you stop looking at me like I'm a woman hater? Yes. When I didn't call Log out on saying mendacious bitch, I wasn't being misogynist. <laughs> yeah. That was me. I'm just yeah. aware that he's ironically <laughs> pretending to be that quite often. Well, some people don't get that. <laughs> understanding that he isn't. Any other business? <laughs> no. Actually, one thing I did play which was quite fun, but not brilliant enough again to recommend, which sounds like it's a bit of a bit of a Debbie Downer this episode, really. Here's loads of games that are quite good or not good, um, but it's good because we didn't have to spend much money this week. It was a Lam Lama Lu La Lama Lama Ding Dong on the Nintendo DS. No, it was Lama Loon. Oh fuck's sake! <laughs> What is it called? <laughs> I'm trying. La, La Milana. Oh, La, La Milana. Milana EX. That wasn't that difficult. I don't know why I couldn't do that. La, Say it again now. La, La, La Milana. La Milana EX. Oh, La Milana X. It's, but it's two words. La Milana. Okay. Fucking hell. Now say them both together again. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not doing this. Um, and it's a game that was made by the guy who made Cave Story. And it's a game that is sort of a oh, fresh. Sweet. Well, mm, it's a game that's made came out originally in two thousand and five on uh, on PC, I think. Well, okay, that's about the same time Cave Story first came out, wasn't it? Maybe around then. I don't know. Uh, but then mm. it came out as a WiiWare game. Well, it was. Well, I was thinking of the FreeWare PC version. That was around two thousand and five. Yeah, two thousand. Maybe a bit earlier than that. Oh, two thousand three right. or four, I think. But then basically, so they. Remade it for well, they, they ported it over to the Wii for WiiWare, and it obviously didn't get played by many people because it was on the Wii. Um, and you know, those people had a Wii, sure, but not many people were buying games that weren't dog shit at that point. I should point out that Cave Story is easily yeah. one of the best platformers I've ever played. Absolutely, and like I, I I just come to PC Zone when I first sort of yeah when I first became aware of it. That's that's why I thought two thousand and six. That's my first start at PC Zone. Yeah, but um. I remember just being astonished, flat out fucking astonished that yeah. you could play this game for free. And the more I played it, the, the further I got, I thought, hang on, this is, this is bigger than any other game. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's huge. huge. It's amazing. And that's the thing, is they've, they've since re-released it on a bunch of things and they've, they've redone it in 3D on the 3DS. And, you know, just don't bother with any of that shit because, honestly, like all the other versions that have come out since, I don't think any of them have improved upon the original in any way. In fact, often they're detrimental. I think that the 3D style they added and the 3D models are really ugly. And I think that actually, just go and go... Because the pixel art of it was so well Beautiful. done. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The characters in that game, and the sense of character, and the music, all just fucking perfect. Honestly, it's still worth downloading Cave Story and just downloading the little translation patch that puts it into English, and just playing it on your PC. Mm. Now, it's... And it's still available for freeware? I'm pretty sure it's still available. Like, it must be, because... 
once something's been on the internet for free once, it's there forever, right? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. how it works. Well, if they do want money, maybe you should pay them. <laughs> well, no, like, maybe you should like pay the money, but then download that version anyway. Because yeah. well, I think maybe the original version is actually on the 3DS 3D version. You can just switch between them. I don't. Yes, know. it is. Yes, yeah. just play the original. Basically, the original is quality. But then, because this game is so bloody good, when I realised this game was a game that I'd not played, made by the same guy, I got really excited. And unfortunately, it's just not as good. Um, it reviewed really well, I think, when it first came out uh, originally and when it came out on the Wii. But I've played it on the PSP, PS Vita, sorry. And it's got like much nicer graphics. They've done it all up. And it's okay. It's kind of an Indiana Jonesy thing. So it's not a shooter. It's like you've got a little whip and you go around and you, you go through um, dungeons. And it's all like kind of, again, a bit Metroidvania-y in the fact that you've got this one big map and it's all interconnected and it's very much a case of going back through areas to find things that you've missed. But rather than being obvious things that you've missed, like, oh, this is a door you can't open yet, often there'll be little puzzles in the room, some of which are quite obvious, others really aren't. And sometimes it'll be a case of you have to press this switch in this room and then th that will open this hidden switch in this room and then after... Sometimes is there a little cable running along the floor that lets you know it might be doing that? Sometimes, yes, but no. often they're quite subtle. And I don't know if this is a case of the art being redesigned makes things a little bit less clear than it was originally, maybe, mm. somehow. Mm. But sometimes it's like I've often clocked things after a long time and gone, oh, that wasn't... that was quite... that was very vague. Like, I, I only kind of worked that out by luck. And also it's that sense of it's quite hard to progress sometimes because you, you you find all these new areas and it's not like you get to a new area and then you can't do it because you don't have a special jump or whatever. You can go through to really hard bits of the game sometimes, but then you'll just die because you don't have enough health and you get more health by solving big puzzles or like that. So sometimes it's a sense of you don't know where to go and you just keep exploring and it gets harder and harder and it's because you need to go back and spend a lot of time in the earlier sections to unlock all the secrets in all the rooms. Mm. But you don't know where the secrets are. It doesn't go, well, these, these are the rooms where... There's no map with question marks. Yeah, there? there's no things to give you clues of where, where you've got to go or what you've got to do. And then you have these really obnoxious boss fights which are just really, really, really fucking hard. And it's one of these games that's just really difficult. And at first I kind of like like that, but... After playing it for about three or four hours, it just became this thing of being like, oh, you've got, you can go off in any direction and you've got to just go and scour this map to find the secrets so you can find uh, things. And it's kind of fun, but it's just a pain in the dick. It's, it's, <laughs> and then I eventually killed one of the bosses and it didn't give me anything. It just sort of went, hey, you've killed one of the, the eight bosses or seven oh, you, bosses that you've At least got to kill. a fragment of a heart container. Know, yeah. but, or just a giant coin that comes yeah. out of his body. Oh, the giant coin that gems fly out of. I think yeah. no. I think you did get a bunch of money actually, but then I don't know. Like you can't. It's just it's not very good at progress. It does this thing of being like these are the temples. You have to go and discover all the secrets, and you have to kill all of the the seven bosses, and then you get the impression that after you've done that, something might happen. But it's a fuck ton of work. It's loads of work, and the characters are kind of cute in a weird way. Like it's got this nice thing of the fact that there's this village elder who always. He gives you an email program at the start of the game and he sends you emails. And it's got like a kind of fun joke in the fact that he says at the start, I'm the only person who will ever send you any emails because this is my laptop and I'll send you emails on it. And then at the start of every email you get, it says, hi, it's me. <laughs> and it's just like different variations of it's me at the start of every email, which I thought was really fun. But you just compare it to like the way that Cave Story managed to be this huge sprawling game that really kept you interested and kept you locked in despite like the kind of length of it 
with really simple but engaging characters and engaging boss fights and stuff. This just feels like the complete opposite, and it, yeah, it made me quite oh. sad. But it's, it's got some really interesting ideas, and it's really good fun. If you see it cheap on PS Vita, it's worth a look. Well, if both of these games out, if both of these games were out in about 2005, 2006, has he done anything since? I don't know. It's Pixel, isn't it, the guy's name? Yeah. The one thing I will say is the music in La Manure. fuck's sake, La Manure. The music in this game is very, very, very good. Mm. It's, if you're a fan of games with really good music and tiny characters who look a bit like Indiana Jones, it's well worth a look. It's just a bit of a shame because it's one of those games when I started playing it, I thought, this is awesome. And I got really excited about it and thought, oh, this is going to be really, really good. And then after about two hours, I was like, oh, I'm kind of bored of playing this now and it's not giving me enough of a reason to keep playing it. And it just meandered off. Oh. That is sad. Deflating. It is a bit deflating, but hey, there's some amazing games coming out really fucking soon. We've got Bloodborne's out next week. Pillars of Eternity, if you like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm personally not sure I've got time for that kind of thing. Do you, reckon, do you reckon Bloodborne is going to undo all your Dark Souls 2 disappointment? I think it might, yeah. I get the impression it might. Just because at the time, I kind of got the feeling that Dark Souls 2 might have been the B team. Yeah, yeah. And increasingly, when you look at Bloodborne, you're like, it totally fucking was the B team, wasn't it? Like, Because they were all working on this. So... This has got loads more well-drawn fanny dragons in it. <laughs> they weren't fanny dragons, they were teeth dragons. Oh, like. okay, We've sorry. talked about the way you perceive the human <laughs> form, and it's just inaccurate. I just preferred the two words fanny and dragon together. Mm. Well, I think we can all agree on that. Well, has anybody else played any disappointing or good games this week? I've been playing some visual novels, Matt. Have you? This is something that, uh, it's, it's a genre of game that I'd never really investigate before. I just thought they were creepy games for sex weirdos. <laughs> well, some of them are. I think they maybe still are creepy games for sex weirdos, but I played two that I really enjoyed, actually. What did you play? I played one game called No Thank You. It's, it's translated from Japanese, but I'm sure it made a little bit more sense to them. Um, and another one called... Well, I, I'm, I'm getting a certain narrative from those three words. <laughs> it's a, a slightly alarming narrative. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the second one I played, which is such a good name, it's called Coming Out on Top. Right, right. So many layers, which I won't go into. Steve, are these both games for creepy sex weirdos? No, no. They're games for regular sex weirdos. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, but in basically a visual novel is mostly you're just reading fan fiction. Uh, that's that's the that's the level of writing that you're that you're looking at. Um you click through for about an hour's worth of dialogue and then you get you get given a choice as to essentially who you want to have sex with at the end of that chapter. So that's what you mean when you say visual novels. It's yeah. quite a get-around term, isn't it? Because recently yeah. there have actually been new games like 80 Days and mm. Sorcery, which are kind of actually visual novels without actually being sex things. Sex things. So I'm wondering when there'll be a fight, inevitably, to reclaim or claim this term. I was playing 80 Days on the way here, actually. It's fantastic. Yeah. Very little sex. Very little. Yeah. There is some. There is some. I was I was trying to chat up some fake duchess on the way to Tehran. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I really enjoy playing them and clicking through the stories. What I do hate is when you're stuck in a town and then there's three or four, you've got to wait four days. Oh, that's, that's the bit I don't yeah, like. Yeah, and then you trip up over a cobble and you missed your train. Oh, 
Has that happened? Does that happen? So you get sometimes things happen where you you miss your train for some reason and you've got to wait another seven days or get on a train that's leaving sooner which doesn't take you as far. Those oh. are the decisions that really have you managed to get around the world in eight days yet? No, I've made it a third of the way around the world in sort of twenty five days. I'm on track. <laughs> I, did, I did it in 40 once. I was quite nice. that. How is this Did possible? you go over the North Pole? Uh, I have done that, but that wasn't the time I got back in 40. Okay, well, I'm still on my first playthrough now. Do all the all the routes I learn on the first route map, on the first no, map, you, you have to relearn them. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's fine, though, because honestly, it's you're, you're, the first time you do it, you won't you won't do it in 80 days. You need to learn how to play. Or you might get really game. lucky and then get luck and do it. But the thing is, you end up realising that actually... It's the first time I did the same thing happened to me is the fact that I really, really wanted to go a specific route and then it just I couldn't because something happened that just, I just want to keep, fucked me. I want to keep going right and it keeps saying that making that a slow route and I have to go up and I hate yeah. it. There's no progress. Well that you way. have to be adaptable. It's that thing of like you I'm make not a plan. going to be adaptable. <laughs> I want the game to bend to my will. Guys, at one point I had like eight grand's worth of stuff which was like gonna be sold somewhere and then I, I just couldn't get there and I had to just keep going and it was really frustrating but that's the game. I'm getting the feeling you don't want to hear about my gay sex games. Oh, sorry, You've really changed hey, the subject. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't know they were gay, Steve. <laughs> the spotlight's on you. Let's, let's talk dick turkey. <laughs> I, uh, this, so when I played No Thank You, I went in with a purely investigative mind, uh, thinking it was going to be far <laughs> Trousers more... Trousers on or off? Trousers unbuttoned <laughs> and ready to go. That's pretty open-minded, yeah. Um, I thought it would be way more pornographic, but it's so mundane and tedious, and it takes two hours before you first have an inkling of sex with that anyone. That makes it seem pretty inappropriate for a wank. It absolutely is not intended. Like, like... There are quicker ways of finding yeah. material on the internet. Um, but But when it finally does happen... It's it's. Can you get it up and have a wank? Well, I I've been waiting two hours, so I thought, well, this is the best I'm going to get. <laughs> you know, this is the worst case of blue balls I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've masturbated over some cartoon men who were doing it, not even doing it, just wanking each other off. Did you? <laughs> is this too blue for dapsles? No, it's fine. Did it's you fine. flick it at the screen like you were casting a spell with a wand? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably fine. I mean, I've always been quite vocal of the fact that I get really frustrated when games that aren't about sex just have, like, pointless sex in them uh, for titillation. But games that are specifically there to be about sex, that's fine. Mm. Just you know what you're I getting. I got quite involved with the actual plots, which um, was about... You You basically uh, you get hit by a car, you get amnesia, uh, a man employs you in his bar, uh, and then you can choose to have sex with the man who runs the bar... Um, or any of any one of his several employees, um, and then it, it it turns out that the bar is actually staffed by some vigilante crime fighters. But as outlandish as the plot is in this game, uh, and, all of the all of the sex scenes are so they're probably quite, quite buff, quite realistic in terms of how they play out and and how they're they're written. The other game I played coming up coming out on top is more. Uh, you you were just in you're a college student and you're trying to navigate your studies and your social life and stuff. That's fairly. But all of the sex fanfic. scenes in that are super unrealistic. It's all like, oh, it turns out your straight friend who you've had a crush on for eight years, he's really into you, and there's a bondage sex scene with him. It's like that's, that's straight, not how real life works. Straight straight to bondage. With yeah. The straight yeah. Oh. Whereas the the weird Japanese thing with the vigilante crime fighting unit, it's just like. 
a, a sad wank on a sleepover, which is how most gay sex is. <laughs> sad. <laughs> sad wank on a sleepover makes my soul, makes my soul, makes my soul strip away. <laughs> anyway, that's all I'll say on the matter. <laughs> you, and you will not get a single word. No, I think I remember my brief experience with uh, with fanficy weird sex games when I was young, and was very much the same thing of like very normal school day to day, and then just like after hours of playing, suddenly you're met with this. I mean, like, there's something to be said for like mental. establishing the universe and establishing all the characters and their relationships. And that brings a greater level of enjoyment to the scenes where they finally start getting it off with each other, because you know who they all are, and you you, you know their characters. I suppose you get the same. It's thing why, if you know porn stars by name, you get a similar, a similar sense of satisfaction well, when think, they make a new movie. I think <laughs> it's an ex, it's an extension of why uh, porn films start with a, a pizza being delivered or someone coming to fix a pipe. Because <laughs> surprise, it's not pizza; it's loads of Johnnies, which we're not going to use. <laughs> Just because, like, because the more context you give to a sexy scenario, the more willing your brain is to believe that these are real people. So this could be yourself. Yourself. I just, pref- I like my porn to be seven dicks flying through a letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> Christ on a bicycle. And on that note, let's have some questions. Yes. Um, so this is a, this is an interesting one. I thought I'd ask this just because log especially. Has a lot of experience in this realm. What? It's the realm of RPGs. You've played lots of RPGs. I know you have. Get get bollocks. <laughs> no, Log. <laughs> you get bollocks. What is this? You can't just spring things on me like this. Well, it's not that difficult. It just says, uh, can you recommend an RPG with minimum fetch quests and numbers? So an RPG... Can anyone recommend an RPG, which is just... But then the problem is, what's a bloody RPG? Yes. I mean, the do you want to choose fan- a class? The Final Fantasy games, they're RPGs, but there's no fetch quests. That's or true. numbers. You could, there are numbers, there but numbers. you don't have to pay much attention to them. I mean, sort of, does They'll he want, go up anyway. Does he want no levelling up? Does he want abilities that sh- instead of stats? That's the thing. It's, it's, a, it's one of these things where RPG just doesn't really mean anything. He must mean like an MMO. I guess so. But like, no, but that's all, they're all fetch quests without exception. Yeah. Um, it's an impossible question, unfortunately. I mean, Wildstar. I've I've played a bit of Wildstar. So that's a that's a quite a decent MMO. Uh, wasn't um, this the one? Yeah, but this is the one that's like a train wreck, isn't it? A Wildstar, isn't that the has one? Has it turned into a train wreck? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that was the one where Mark Kern, who's since turned into a bit of a crazy nutbag, is that his? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Unless I'm wrong. Good job I can separate the artist and the art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I may be wrong. It may not be Wildstar. So I apologise if it isn't Wildstar. I feel like I've now potentially made a really big mistake. <laughs> uh, Wildstar. Either a lovely game that's great or a game that's maybe a bit of a train wreck because they spent $3 million on a bus which never got made in time for the press tour. I know what you're thinking. I can imagine the... I can picture the bus with that written on the side of it now. And maybe it isn't Wildstar. Maybe you want to look going it up. to do a Google. Google Mark Kern stupid bus. <laughs> Mark Kern's stupid Mark bus. Mark Kern's stupid bus. Um, it is, yeah, this is, this is, uh, no, that's a different, it's a different thing, it's a different game. Firefall. Firefall. Wildstar, Firefall. So, yeah, ignore everything I just said. Uh, did Mark Kern's stupid bus ruin Firefall? Well, it's, it's, it's a good question. <laughs> Fucking was, Mark. I mean, apparently they spent more than $100 million just on promotions in three years, which On a game sound. that was in pre-alpha, was yeah, it? Yeah, um, and everybody involved says so it's a terrible idea, and he was spending a fortune. Oh my God, that bus! I know, right? It looks like a Transformer. 
It's uh, quite spectacular, and now he's he doesn't really appear to have a job, so he spends all his time uh, complaining on the internet about how uh, people, people who like block him are silencing <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, by all by all accounts an absolute joke, um, but um, yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. So all that stuff is about Wildstar. Ignore it. Wildstar is a lovely game that Steve will now mention. Yeah, it's made by lovely people. I've already said it doesn't have. What did I say? I haven't said enough about it. Just can you, can you just say one thing to try and cover up the fact that there's a lovely. Uh, you go into like a, a big a part of this this uh, space station where they're growing all of these plants in a big greenhouse, and the plants are really cute and they run around talking. And you oh, have to, fuck yes. You have to collect them. Um, do they but, chuckle as you pick them up? They do. They, they squeal <laughs> and they run around. <laughs> you have to chase after them and grab them. Well, that's a fantastic. So it is a fetch quest, but it's a fun fetch. That's quest. a fantastic and cute anecdote, which yeah. is almost. Cleared and over does the, uh, the animosity on a really weird tangent. Um, okay, next up, um, I get this question a lot, so I'm going to answer it really quickly. I've got lots. So many people asked me this last week. Uh, Matt, is should I buy a 3ds for Monsanto Four? And I've had so many people ask me this, and I don't have a fucking answer. Like the thing is, I've I've, I've done a podcast about Monsanto Four that was like, what if you tell someone to buy it and they've only got 130 quid left of their name and they rob a <laughs> tiny bank? Mm. Yeah, it's and, and then you've set their their life on a whole terrible course. That's the thing. It's uh, it's. I've already. I've done. We've talked about it twice on the podcast for about fifteen minutes of pop, and then we recorded an entire episode, which was just an hour of discussing the game. But now people, even after listening to all this, want me to then tell them yes or no. Should I buy a three DS to play this game? And it's yes. Like, I'm just gonna say yes. Steve says yes, so that's the answer. Do it. It's good. Whereas I say no. <laughs> Oh, we're back to square one now, aren't we? The casting vote goes on. No, I can't do this. When people say, "We found it easy," (laughs) why can't you just make your mind up, Matt? When you tell somebody what a game is like, and then they still keep saying, "Well, should I buy it?" It's like I don't know how much money you've got. I don't know what money means to you. I don't know what your expendable income is. I don't know how much time you're going to have time to play on a three DS. It's up to you and your bank account. Like I can't. I can't help with that, but Steve says yes. And sounds like, says no. sounds like someone wants an excuse to buy one, and he want he really wants one, and he wants to just give someone else to say yes, it's okay, do it. Mm. I think and that's I, true. I think I'm happy to be that person. Do what you want to do. Get the thing you want if you can afford it. I'm going to say no. Don't do that, <laughs> Matt. You've got the casting vote. <laughs> I say if you've got if you've got the income and you think it's not going to if it's not going to burn a hole in your pocket and you think it's going to make you happy then sod it, have a go. Although, don't just get it for Monsanto because you might not like it. And then you'll be like, oh, I spent 150 quid and I don't even like this. Luckily, there are other games available for the 3DS. There are a ton of really good ones. Um, I'd recommend uh, Crimson Shroud's a good place to start. It only takes about an hour and a half to complete, but it's quite special. And there's a bunch of other ones. Loads of games. Just just go nuts. At least four. There's more than that. But yeah, uh, that's more is still at least oh, four, I isn't see. it? Yeah, that's a maths thing, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um... Here's another sort of bit of a weird question. Uh, from I've not been answer, saying who people are. First question was William Palmer. Second one was Daniel Marnie. Shout out to Palmer, Palmer and Marnie. Palmer and Marnie. Palmer and Marnie. Uh, <laughs> this is from Geroid Fitzmorris. Is a three-year dev cycle enough time for the next-gen games we want to see? No. Again, a really ambiguous question, but the answer is no. No, from you. four years minimum. Four years. What do you think, Steve? Um, I was just uh, focusing on the pronunciation of Geroid. Yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, I, I, on St. Patrick's Day of all days, I'd read that as gearoid. <laughs> gearoid. <laughs> oh, and then is it like a cactoid from, uh, from Animal Crossing? Yes. But is that pronounced Gerald? 
Uh, it's more like Gareth, but it's Garrod. It might be. It might be Geroid. I don't know. If it's Gareth, why doesn't he strike Gareth? I don't know because he's Irish. Is this a thing, Irish? You're being offensive. I know. I'm just winding you up because <laughs> it's St. Patrick's Day. What was the question? Is a three-year dev cycle enough time? No, no, it's not. Yes, no, it is. Yeah, we should start seeing the best. Some good first-party titles for next-gen co- stuff coming up now. I don't know. I think. Wow, that just... sounds like a proper industry thing to say, Steve. I was just saying. I was just saying an arbitrary number. So, you know, four years. That's right. <laughs> I mean, how soon? Well, actually, three years. I don't know. How long did it take Gran Turismo to come out? <laughs> that long. That's exactly how long it, it takes. The first one, not the most recent one, which is still probably has like an eight-year development cycle now. I don't know. I just sort of think, what was so? I don't know about next-gen games. I'm just not... I think what we did last time with all the games coming out and having like incrementally nicer graphics and more impressive cinematics, it just doesn't feel like that fucking matters anymore in the same way because mm. it's so expensive and stupid to do that and it costs like infinite money that you end up with really bland games so I can't I'm, wait for 4k gaming I think that's the next big oh, thing oh it's just fucking <laughs> can I be asked but here's a question which is a bit more on to what I think is going to be more interesting at the moment uh, Russell Lindsay says what 2d game would you like to be remastered into 3d and usable with VR headsets Ooh. which is a bit of a weird question actually but we can change that question to another question of what sort of games do you want to play in virtual reality Hey. oh Oh, my visual novels. Your visual yes, novels. Yes, I was going to say, yeah. that, that would be awesome. <laughs> my novels. I'm just going into my novels. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm reading. <laughs> Don't come in. <laughs> I haven't undergone nearly enough stuff. I want to go on the Vive thing with all the holodeck shit going apparently on. Apparently it's amazing. Yeah. Apparently everything's amazing. I don't get to have a go on it anymore. Because I'm not in the games industry. Well, I get the impression, if it makes you feel better, a lot of people didn't get to have a go on the recent ones because they were mainly showing them off to devs because they want devs to, like, use them. So I think I think other people have got to see them, but largely they... It's not, weird, though, yeah. isn't it? Because it's such a massively different experience to write for. It's not something you can just make a VR game that works effectively in... No. On, on anything, just on a regular experience. And that's what I think, we talked about this very briefly last week, but I think that's my problem with it at the moment, is it's all very fun. Like I've had a go at like Half-Life 2 on your Oculus, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a fun little oddity, yeah. but you can't really imagine playing it properly no. on that. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's traditional games are meant for virtual reality. I think they'll give rise to virtual reality games that are built for it. And they won't be first-person shooters. And I think, in fact, it's going to work with films a lot better than it will work with games. You're going to have fully 3D films. And not not just 3D films, but 360-degree films where you... Miss what's happening. Cause I you're played, <laughs> no, well, I see this thing. I, I played around on, a, on this thing called Roto, which is a swivel chair with a motor in the bottom of it, which seems so ridiculous. But in, in practice, if, if directors used it for films, imagine you're sitting on a chair... The chair would spin around to show you what's happening in a certain scene. Oh my! Right? It'd spin around to show you the T Rex that's bursting through the jungle or something like that. What's the fucking point? Because you can still look around with your head, oh, I see. but the director's like basically pointing your chair at what you should be looking at. Because apparently, this is the big thing that directors of virtual reality films are having problems with: is making the viewer look. <laughs> Uh, where the things are just staring at a dog that's doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, the actors are just doing things behind them. Yeah. But no, I, I... <laughs> the dog sort of nudges you the other way. So like, Maybe you want to go there. Look at that look over there. Yeah. The dog goes, <gasps> keeps going. <gasps> 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 Ooh, look at that explosion. What's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> over there. 
I did like the way that, because uh, when I got it last week, uh, I did like the fact that they've now got like headsets, like earphones kind of as part of the headset, yeah. which is great because it can do that 3D sound thing of being like, you hear a noise and you have that like amazing thing of spinning around to look exactly where the noise came from because mm-hmm. you just you know where it was. And I think that gets around the whole like, there's a, on, on, uh, currently on first person games, it'd be like, there's a big explosion sound and the screen shakes and then you have that mad thing of just spinning around being like, well, where was that? And sometimes yeah. you do miss it, like a helicopter crashed and you just couldn't find it before the flame stopped, mm. um, which is always a bit sad. There's an art to making people look in the right direction in games. There is. If you've ever played or watched someone who doesn't play many games play a game. It's fucking annoying. It's so annoying. Yeah. It's like they're looking at the floor when shit's happening around them. It's like, what? You need to look <laughs> at the things. Reese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I am excited. I'm a bit worried, actually, the more I think about it, because everyone's getting really, like, super trousers down excitement levels about the Steam one, the Steam and uh, HGC's mm-hmm. thing. That's the Vive. 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 And it just feels a bit they like... They messed that up, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the problem is, now, everyone likes the idea, I like the idea of virtual reality, because it's almost like it's the ultimate freedom, and it's the ultimate level, in terms of, like, it, the dream of VR, right? This idea that you can just put on a headset or put on a thing, and be transported to a land where you and Jean-Luc Picard are solving crimes in the 1930s mm. with cool Max and hats or something. That's what that's, that's the ultimate thing. Yeah. But anyone can do that, and you can go and be anyone you want from history doing whatever you want or in the future with Jean-Luc Picard and maybe Data. Um, but I'm a bit worried because it's like this whole Steam thing seems to rely on you having... I mean, it's, they say you need a three-metre by four-metre space. Yeah. And it's like, that now means that it's the reserve of the rich or people who live in America or, like, other... Yeah. It just means, like, living... It means if, if virtual reality does become really cool, as a gamer, rather than me being like, oh, I might need to buy a new 4K telly or something, it's like, I might need to move to a different country or at least, like, <laughs> a very different part of this country. Mm. I might need to go and live somewhere where, like... Having a room dedicated. I'm going to have to knock through a wall, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mum, because uh, there's a new game coming out. <laughs> like, I don't know. This room's quite a big room for London, and I don't think I think you have to remove everything from. I've it. never even seen four meters. <laughs> no, I'm living here for ten years. Not inside. No. So I'm a bit worried about that. It might just become one of these things that's like it's everyone the same in America thing with the connect, out. doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, you just need an like an eight meter long living room. Which every American person has. Yeah, I always found with like the only Kinect games I could enjoy ones which, like, where you could have enough room to maybe move all of your limbs around while standing still and like maybe move by. Yeah, I can't imagine what it'd be like to be able to play Kinect with that level of freedom shown in the adverts. Whereas for me, it was always like enjoying myself whilst being constantly aware that at any point I might damage something in the room or punch a wall and it yeah. would hurt, um, <laughs> which wasn't really a lot of fun sometimes. No, even the new one, I, I can't be... Well, I tried playing Dark Dreams Don't Die, and I just could not be giggered with it. Just um, partly because I don't like the hand press, the new hand-pressing motion, which is, you know, with oh, the new yeah. connect, you press forwards. And for some reason, whenever I try to do that, the hand slides upwards and misses the button, and I just walk out of the room in disgust oh. and just think about all the different hobbies I could have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully, like, they won't, I don't know, 
I mean, I've seen increasingly they've got those little funny pads. You know, you, you go to expos and you see like those weird men with the goggles running around in circles with those guns. Have you seen that? It's amazing. Oh, it's like a little treadmill. 360-degree treadmill yeah, thing. It's inherently hilarious. It's so stupid. You watch people playing them, and it's like, you can't help That is off. not the future of anything. Well, apart I saw from the future of looking like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think there's the future and the present. Um, but they have got new ones where you're not actually moving a treadmill. You have to, They have, like, special shoes, which have, like... Rollerblades. Yeah, they're basically oh like <laughs> You only need a 20-metre square area for that, because <laughs> you're going around really fast. <laughs> <laughs> They're like these non-grip shoes, so you like you, non-grip. Yeah, so it's like, uh, yeah. So rather than having like a conveyor belt, circular conveyor belt that moves as you step on it and move, the the bit itself doesn't move at all. It's just like this plastic dish. It's just like loads of ball bearings on your feet. Yeah, you're but just then, like yeah, walking around. It looked like they were just like little sponges on your feet, and then when you walk, it just like your feet just slide. But I guess with the sense of that your feet aren't sliding, they get the sense of friction. Oh, I'm beginning to think we're barking up a wrong tree. I think so, yeah. (laughs) This This is what I mean. This is what happens when virtual reality is tipped to become a big thing, and lots of shitty third-party manufacturers go, well, hang on, I've got an idea. A a swiveling chair, some magic frictionless shoes. It's it's like when Kinect came out and people invented the Kinect dinghy. (laughs) Yes, it's exactly that. Everyone's hopping on board the dinghy. The metaphorical dinghy and often the literal dinghy. Yeah, I can't wait for the, for the steam dinghy. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be really annoying if you need a massive house. Yeah, it's going to be. Yet You're going to need. Reason. Well, everyone's looking forward to the holodeck. You need to have an actual holodeck-sized room. Yeah, that's true. That's the problem. That's the problem. They can fit one on the Starship Enterprise. They can fit one in in Balham, in Balham, <laughs> London. I wonder how they did that. With a holodeck. Well, builds yeah. a holodeck in space. I wonder if it was like when you started walking towards the edge. They've got transporters. They'll just transport you back. Oh, of course. Well, in that case, you could have a tiny room. Yeah, it's true. I suppose they just use up a lot of batteries on the transporter there. Yeah, yeah. the bigger the room, the less transporter energy you need. Ah, they probably just transport you into the storage system like they did with Scotty for a long time. You're probably not even existing. You're probably just stored in data banks at that stage. Yeah, they just leave. They make it a big room to make you feel reassured yeah, that yeah. you're going to be there when actually you will cease to exist. But you'll be having a nice time while it happens. Oh. So that's what I'm looking forward to. The point at which VR can just take you out of this reality entirely as a physical entity, and it doesn't matter if you don't have a big house. Exactly. So I might replicate you into some tea. Fantastic. Accidentally. Yeah. Oh, no age, no disease, and you can meet yourself. This you, could probably, you could probably do naughty stuff with yourself. That's not where my mind was going, but I now think, it's there. Yeah. I'm going to sit back in my chair and pop open my trousers. Someone had to uh, someone had to mop up that holodeck every once in a while, <laughs> didn't they? Especially after Wharf had been in there. Yes. Anyway, uh, we should, yeah. This is a weird and sexy place to leave it, but we'll leave it there. God, can one of you cosplay as me and then just do me? <laughs> I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with yes. So the casting vote goes down to you, Locke. <laughs> oh, God. A million times. We've got in too much power. <laughs> thanks very much for joining me. And uh, thanks Thank very much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.